Hey everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Amanda with Business Radio X. I'd like to introduce Dan Miller with Wealth Horizon. He's a great community partner of ours and a supporter of this series. I'll let Dan share a little bit more about his enthusiasm behind this particular topic. Hi everyone, appreciate y'all being here. This is, uh, is something that we are passionate about. We, Dree and myself were, as most everyone was, dismayed with many of the recent events that have occurred. And thinking about it, we were trying to figure out how we could have impact. And the best way that we could think of was to create a dialogue. You know, people amongst people can understand each other. And when you look at people as from a distance and you see them as different from yourself, then that's where some of the issues start. What I said to uh, Amanda and Jessica earlier was that's why I'm optimistic is when I look at at your generation, and that's why we're so excited to be able to support and sponsor your group, is I find that you all don't look at people and see race. You don't see color. You don't see differences. You don't see disabilities. I'm I would not qualify as a young professional by any means. So I, I come from a different generation, and I, I wish I could say that that was always the case, but it wasn't always the case. And, and I love the way uh, this generation celebrates one another and celebrates differences. And that's why I am optimistic. I, I think uh, that as you all continue to uh, grow and evolve in the workplace and the community, you're going to have enormous impact and uh, in a very positive way. And, you know, the more we can understand one another and see where one another is coming from, the, the better we can all get along and create uh, a more harmonious community. And uh, I congratulate all of you and Amanda and Jessica for all your work with this organization and we are thrilled to be able to sponsor it and make this podcast available for people to listen to for many months after this and hopefully to continue to stimulate these conversations in our homes and in our workplaces in our schools and in in our community thank you very much Good evening, everyone. I'm so happy to be here tonight with you guys. My name is Janelle King, and I serve on the board for GYP. And tonight, I'll be leading you through an experiential opening exercise. And really, what it's meant to do is to establish the connections that we have. You know, it's not every day that we're having these kind of conversations where we can really be able to connect with one another, understand our identities, and how we're really more same, more of the same than we are different. And so tonight that's what we're going to do here so what I'm going to do is I'm going to call out an experience and if you had that experience I would invite you to stand up um, and to face the other attendees so you can see who might share the similar experiences as you do but if you don't feel comfortable that's okay too just sit quietly and reflect and ask yourself why those feelings might be rising to the surface um, for deeper reflection. We want this experience to be, uh, and just this event entirely, to be something that's safe where people feel comfortable and respected. And so we just ask you to really be cognizant of that tonight. And yeah, we're just going to dive into tonight's exercise. And so I'm going to read the following statements. So 
stand up if you are a coffee drinker. Look, I'm standing right now and I missed my third cup today. <laughs> okay, so stand up if you prefer tea or another beverage. Okay, so stand up if you prefer tea or another beverage as opposed to coffee. Okay, couple tea drinkers in here. Flavored water. <laughs> Look, especially when it's in a coffee cup, right? <laughs> okay, so stand up if you're most productive during early mornings. Okay. All right, so you can be seated. Okay, so stand up if you prefer to work during late nights. Who are the night owls? Okay. Stand up if you're always late to work. <laughs> Look, no shame, no shame. <laughs> okay, so stand up if you're always on time or even early. Look, I used to be early before I had my baby. <laughs> okay, you can be seated. Okay, so please stand up if you went to private school. Nice. Okay, stand up if you went to public school. Okay. Stand up if you were homeschooled. Nobody? Okay. So stand up if you identify as Christian. Okay. Stand up if you identify as Muslim. Stand up if you identify as Jewish. Nice. Stand up if you identify with a religion that was not stated and you wish to state. Stand up if you know someone who identifies as LGBTQ. Okay, stand up if you are someone who identifies as LGBTQ. Okay, stand up if English is your first language. Okay, stand up if English is not your first language. Okay, stand up if you are bilingual or multilingual. Okay, stand up if you are biracial. Okay, stand up if you ever felt like you don't belong. Okay, stand up if you ever felt like you didn't belong in the workplace. Okay, stand up if the majority of your friends share the same race or ethnicity as you. Okay, stand up if you are usually in the minority group. Stand up if you have ever said something that offends someone. <laughs> I think that's all of us. <laughs> Okay, stand up if you ever felt offended by someone. Again, that's all of us, right? Stand up if you should have stepped forward at some point but felt unsure. Okay, stand up if you feel uneasy in diversity conversations. And stand up if you want to intentionally cultivate a life and company culture where everyone matters and feels included. Yes, I want you guys to look around, see who's standing with you. And notice the people who stood up with you and who did not. Um, like I said, this is a place for us to really spark these intentional, courageous conversations. And so tonight, be open to that. Be vulnerable. Be open to understanding and really realizing that you don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. This is a safe place for you to explore the different identities here and talk about how we can really create a space where we all belong and matter because we do. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. 
Uh, my name is Jessica Stewart. I am with Gwinnett County Government, but I also have the honor and privilege of chairing our GYP board this year. I just want to thank you all for coming out this evening. I want to thank my board for coming together collectively to see how we can bring a conversation like this specifically to young professionals. Thank you again, Dan and Jerry. Thank you to Mike and Amanda with Business Radio X for capturing this moment. I think it's very special. One of our early supporters when we were in our boardroom, uh, one of our board meetings that we planned this back in what, March, April. So it's very short turnaround time. We asked, hey, Jasmine and I were talking. She's my chair elect back there. <laughs> but uh, we were like, how cool would it be if we like picked up on this DNI conversation that the chamber is having and tailor it to young professionals so we can get real about workplace change and how do we create that change um, within our sphere of influence. And, you know, one of the early supporters um, was Cole Porter with Porter Steel. And he said, how can I get in? How can I help? I want to support. And I think the true earnest of allyship is not just saying that you want to support, but putting your money where your mouth is and, and participating. And he's been just that. You know, he's one of our sponsors for this evening tonight. He's made a special cocktail for us, and he has a um, description. He's going to go through all of that and the, the importance of this cocktail, what it um, simply signifies there we go i'm coming together <laughs> it's after five i'm tired but um it what it signifies and i'm gonna let him share that because it's just a beautiful statement to why we're all here but i just want to thank all of you all for showing up that's 90 percent of the battle half the time it's just getting people to show up and be courageous enough to start the conversation and um without further ado i'm going to ask cole to <laughs> To, to join us up front, and we'll get some people to help pass out the, the rest of the drinks as he's as he shares. Well, thanks, guys. So as we were mentioning, um, we when we were first discussing, you know, what we were doing, um, we wanted to create an illustration for for diversity and and the importance of what it looks like for us to be separate but also together one thing. And so. Uh, we also have a non-alcoholic option. I've, I kind of ran out of time, but um, but we can we can get you this with just lemonade afterwards. So, anyways, but it does have vodka in it, so be careful. But I, but I will say this: I, if you look at the plates that are at the end of your tables, and you can pass those down. But basically, uh, I, I kind of want you to visualize what it looks like to have separate ingredients on a plate. Everybody's made a recipe before. Everybody's um, created something in your life. Um, if it hasn't been food, maybe you've worked on a project with nails and wood and metal, you know, um, but on the plate, you'll see all the different ingredients that are actually in your drink. And all of those things, they're all good things. Like they're all, they all have a purpose. They all have unique qualities about them. Um, and they might look different. They might look a little similar. Uh, there are, there are similar qualities and there are different qualities. There are two different fruits on the plate. There are three different liquids on the plate. There's, uh, three different, things that grow on plants. Um, there are things that were processed. I mean, so there's all different things on your plate that have similarities and differences and you can enjoy and feel free to, you know, if you, whoever wants to take the shot. Um, but, but on your, but on your plate, you have blueberries, you have mint leaves, you have a lemon wedge, you have vodka, you have some strawberry puree and you have some lemonade. Um, and those are all the things that are making up the drink that you're getting passed out um, for you to experience. And my point to you is, is that regardless of 
what our goal is, regardless of the place that we're going, uh, we blueberries in the in them blueberries have a purpose by themselves, and that's okay. Blueberries should be happy to be blueberries and to be great in blueberry pie and blueberry muffins and blueberry cobbler, right? And you might combine. There might be some instances where it's appropriate just to have blueberries and lemons, right? And that is the best situation for that for those things. And there are other there. You can make any combination of things with these ingredients. But my point to you is is that every one of those things is good, and has good qualities that we should desire for certain situations. But all together, there is an, uh, a potential to create a really wonderful experience. And I honestly haven't tried it yet, so I hope it's wonderful. <laughs> but my point being that all those things together can create a really a wonderful experience that goes beyond the sum of just their individual pieces. And so I think it's just a good illustration that we are all individuals. We all have our qualities that are good and and we have our qualities that are bad. Like I'm not perfect. I have a lot of things I need to work on, Um, but together we can, you know, with, with this, you can cover up a little bit of the lemon's tartness. You can, um, the blueberries aren't quite as sweet. You don't taste the bitterness of the vodka. Like there are a lot of things that together, these things make a really good experience. And I think that that is really our human culture. Uh, We are all individuals that have weaknesses and we have strengths. And our job is to work together to really shine those um, good points and work with each other to help grow in the weak points. And so um, I am uh, Cole Porter and I'm with Porter Steel and and we work in um, steel. We work in the construction industry and we uh, have manufacturing but uh, our company itself is built of, I think we represent like 20 different countries from all the different people that work there. And we only have 80 employees. So, I mean, we're a very diverse bunch. And it's not because we tried to do that. We didn't say we wanted to get someone from Jamaica and we want to get some, a couple of people from Mexico. And we want to, you know, we didn't do that. It's just because that we happen to be an industry that there's a lot of experience all across the world. But um, we're very proud of every individual and the different experiences that each of us bring to it have improved our company. Um, there are things that other cultures experience that isn't really an American ideal, but when you start listening to, oh, wow, they did that in Costa Rica? That's interesting. Maybe we can adopt some of those things and 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 try to improve life for our employees. So um, but I, I thank you so much for having me. Uh, I definitely don't uh, fit into the whole conversation all the time, but it's good to have a place where we can all share our ideas and feel heard and feel valued, where we can genuinely try to learn from each other. And so that's the goal of tonight. I thank you for having me as well as all the other panelists and everything. Um, and I hope you enjoy your drink uh, and feel free to pick from the, um, the ingredients, but thanks for having me. So. Oh, and while we're here, we might as well just post. <laughs> All right. My name is Jasmine Billings. I am the community development manager for the city of Lawrenceville. And I am Tommy Easley, the ticket sales director with the Atlanta Gladiators. And we're excited to have you all here. Um, And this is where we get into the real meat of the conversation, which I'm super excited about. We have really great panelists that have agreed to discuss diverse experiences in the the workplace. And so I'm just going to call them up and have them introduce themselves once they all get up here. And we'll go from there. So Nuri Castro, (laughs) Cameron Phillips, Cam the man, (laughs) Janelle King. And Cole Porter. Cole, these drinks are amazing. Um, So thank you so much for that. So we'll go ahead and get started with our first question. This is going to be geared towards Janelle, but we do open, after the question's answered, we do open this for for you guys to all answer as well. Janelle, how does your workplace approach inclusion, and what would you like to see your company do better um, to approach DE&I? 
Yeah, sure. So my name is Janelle Kane again. I have a company called Excel Leadership where we work with um, different organizations to help them to create purposeful, meaningful company-driven cultures or culture cultures. And um, with the whole inclusion piece, the thing that we have really focused on has been creating psychological safety um, and create an environment where people can feel like they're included and they can bring their whole selves to work. I think that's important um, with the different intersectional identities that we all have that might prevent us from feeling like we're welcomed, feeling like we can really um, express ourselves. I know for me, um, working in the corporate space, coming into um, as an entrepreneur, I know that one of the big things for me has been, you know, as a black woman, feeling like I can be invited into the C-suite to have these conversations where we're talking about um, creating people-centric cultures and um, being at a position where I feel like my expertise is still valued as a young black woman as well. And so one of the things that we've been really um, intentional on is really creating that safe, psychologically safe atmosphere um, where people can feel like they can really show up and, and serve and bring their whole selves to work. And I realized that I skipped their introductions. So I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves, what you guys do, um, and how DEI is um, close to your hearts. So Nuri, if you would like to start. Hey everybody, I'm Nuri Castro. I use she, a, yeah, pronouns. I am the new community engagement manager for Gwinnett County and we're answering why D and I. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> so I am, I do identify as a first generation American, first gener generation Latina woman. So all of those things just make diversity naturally um, important to me. Um, I'm also a doctoral student at the University of Dayton in Ohio, and so a lot of my research centers diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, so naturally, my scholarship, my work, and just who I am just centers diversity. All, all three of them center diversity perfectly. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Cam Phillips, and I'm a personal development coach and inspirational speaker. So as far as my background and why diversity and inclusion is important to me, just being raised as a black male. Um, I graduated from Emory University, was raised in Gwinnett, and had the privilege of interacting with people of all different backgrounds. But once I got into corporate America, I was really able to see how tools that I've learned just finessing, going from crowd to crowd, were essential to survival. And it's a shame that you really have to be conscious of how you're talking to people when the person next to you is saying the same exact thing. Um, just from my background, I have a mental health background, working with cops, things like that, to where I've seen the disparities across the board. Um, and that's why it's really just close to my heart. Yeah, for me, um, similar to you, Cam, um, I think for me, growing up um, in a predominantly white high school, a lot of that was learning how to code switch. Um, and so for me, I had went to Howard University for my graduate or my um, undergrad just so that I could feel like I could have that experience where I could just learn about, more about my culture as well. Um, black history was something that was um, lightly touched on in the school systems that, um, that I grew up in. And um, to be honest, I didn't really understand much of it until I went to Howard University and became more aware of the disparities that we faced um, and understand that racism 
really does still exist, you know? And um, for me, it's important that as I do my work in creating these people-centric cultures, and um, now most recently, um, I just had a baby, had a son um, back in October 2020 in the midst of <laughs> the pandemic, um, with all the things that were going on with like George Floyd and things like that, it's been really important to me to be able to contribute in a meaningful way and to create a um, environment where he can feel like he can grow up and safe and be seen and valued as well. I'm Cole Porter, um, as I mentioned earlier, but uh, I'm the vice president of Porter Steel, and we are a steel fabrication and erection company in Lilburn. Uh, my dad started the company in 1983, and he started with a pickup truck and a welder, uh, and just grew it from nothing to, um, at one time, over 100 employees, um, and I'm running the operations now. Um, very thankful for that. Um, it's a very diverse company with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And um, really my passion for diversity in itself really stems from, I have a little bit different take on it, but it really stems from a place of, I want people to um, love each other and to be heard and to be included. Um, because I think that's the most important, both with my faith um, and also just um, de human decency, you know? So I went to the university, I went to a, a pretty mixed high school. Um, it was Sal Quinette, um back in like, the two I graduated in 2006. Very um, different demographic over the last, over the four years I was there, very rapid changing. And I actually served on the advisory board there where um, I believe, you know, when I was there, it was like, uh, when I graduated, I think it was 40% white, and I think now it's 7% white. So very different um, demographically, but really cool to see, you know, some of the stuff that they're still doing that they did when I was there, you know. But I, that was interesting to me as a high schooler, and I had a lot of really cool experiences as a high schooler um, with some friends of mine in Mexico, actually, uh, where I got to spend summers in Mexico um, with friends, uh, learning about the Mexican culture and um, and I developed a love for the, for the Spanish language, and that's why I majored in Spanish. And then I've done a lot of mission work in Africa. And I think all that comes from a place of I really have a heart for other people and, and wanting um, everyone to be, to reach their potential, really. And so, um, and so the racial divide that I see in America really um, hurts. You know, it makes me sad because I think we're so much better than that. And so that's kind of why when I when we decided to do this, uh, I was like, I want to help with planning it. And then they were like, Well, you should be on the on the panel. And I was like, I'm the white guy. Um, and they're like, No, you you should be on it. And I said, If you want me to be, I will. Uh, I just have you know different views sometimes. But I but that's what's so good about it is that I really appreciate and respect the backgrounds of all these people up here and everyone who's planned it. And we all have different perspectives, but we can respect each other enough to listen to each other and know that the the intentions are right. Um, and you see things differently because you have a different background. But we really do want what's best for everybody, I think. So that's what's cool about it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. The first question was directed to Janelle. So I wanted to open it up to the panel if they had any further thoughts about um, how their workplace is approaching inclusion or what are some different strategies they'd like to see their organization implement going forward. So I've been in my community engagement role for six days. Um, so my experience is very limited. I should have started with that. But in the in the week and a half that I've been with Gwinnett County, what has been very meaningful for me has been the amount of representation that I've seen. So 
as I'm sure you all know, Gwinnett County is, is so diverse, but seeing the county be as diverse as it is and see representation of women of color, see representation of black women, our chairwoman being a black woman and the first black woman has been so important to me. Since I started last Monday, um, <laughs> I have spoke Spanish to I think well over five employees. Um, and I've never been able to do that in any workplace, either because folks didn't maybe feel comfortable disclosing that they spoke Spanish or, you know, again, back to that code switching, right? We don't want to speak Spanish in the workplace if it doesn't feel safe. I come from an education background, so I've been a student affairs administrator in higher education. So the dichotomy of now being in, in county government and feeling more welcome and more supported even my six days um, in comparison to higher education has been so telling for me and as an educator I think t thinking back on my experience in education it's been a little sad to think about that I didn't feel the same sense of safety um, that I do now and I hope that it continues past my week and a half um, <laughs> but I'm excited for it to continue in terms of what I think um, I don't know what can improve because I haven't been here long, but I am excited for the racial equity plan that Gwinnett County is about to start because I'm really excited to see what findings come from that and how my work and my office's work will impact that, those any gaps or any disparities that they find. I would just say that, I mean, I think that, you know, in my organization, since I'm leading it with a lot of different people, um, I'd be crazy not to say that we, have room, we don't have room for improvement because we, we always will. But I am proud that we have a lot of different backgrounds of people that have come into, into Porter Steel and have felt good to continue working there, you know. And I think that says something about our industry, too, um, being in construction. And, you know, construction and manufacturing is everywhere. So in every country you go to, more than likely there's going to be construction and manufacturing. So there's going to be a background that they have when they come here. So that benefits us, that we have skilled workforce that can come work and from all different backgrounds. Um, but I think that a lot of what our um, inclusion you know, where we could improve on inclusion is really making sure that the employees, no matter what background they're in, really are able to communicate what they're used to. Because we kind of take for granted that, you know, my parents taught me about, you know, what I'm going to do when I go interview for a job or what, what it might be to, I need to show up on time. I need, there's different things I need to do, which in some cultures, it might be a little bit different. Um, so, you know, including everybody, making sure that they're educated enough um, from us to know what is expected so that we don't hold them accountable for something that they don't, don't know. Yeah. As far as my organization, I work on personal development for students and young adults. And a lot of times I see that when I'm working with students, young minorities, they don't have anybody to look up to. Um, you want kids to go through school, be engaged and stuff like that. But when you don't have a vision of somebody who's done it, it makes it that much tougher. So something I try to touch on is just, first off, having them create some type of vision for themselves. Even if it's someone not right in front of you, being able to connect with somebody, even if they don't look like you, having similar values to them, being able to connect with them like that. So I think once the younger generation, even though our young professionals, we're all feeding to people younger to us, if they can view somebody and see somebody and have a positive vision, then that can help their outcome. Great stuff. And Cam, I'd like to have you open up this next question for us. But um, during the Gwinnett Chamber DEI Summit, uh, they had mentioned that the leadership really needs to exemplify DEI and have it be from the top down. Not all young professionals are in that leadership role. Um, so, what are some ways, and open up to the panel as well, that young professionals can influence progress um, in whatever role that they're in currently? The main thing that comes to mind is just using our voice. 
I think a lot of times we think because we're not a senior at a company that they're not going to value our opinion if we speak out on it. But what I've realized, so my background's in finance. I worked for a few different financial companies. And when things would come up in the press or things like that, I would reach out to my manager. I would text them. It wouldn't be a huge thing. But once I was able to have this one-on-one conversation and really let them know how I felt, that allowed him to know that it's important. Like, if we're just quiet, if we're just silent, how would anybody know that something bothers us? Um, In the past, a lot of times I've just been quiet out of a survival mentality. Like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to ruffle feathers. But what I find out is once one person speaks, someone else next to you is feeling the same exact way. And someone has to move first. So as young professionals, as we're becoming the workforce, not being afraid to talk, not being able to say something, use your voice. And once you do that, it's not as scary. And once you do that, it allows other people to speak with you. So it's just creating change using your voice. Sure, I'll um, speak to that. Um, to piggyback off of Cam, um, I think that is exactly why psychological oh, psychological safety, excuse me, is important to establish so that people can feel like they can be vulnerable and share their experiences and feel heard. So definitely use the voice that you have. Um, communicate with your supervisors. Communicate with your direct reports. Um, partner with HR as well. I think that we forget that um, we have employee resource groups where we can um, really dive deeper into topics such as these. And if there's not one at your company, ask how you can start one. And don't be afraid to participate employee resource groups that may not be one that you identify with. You know, join other ones, learn more about the different identities that are are present within your companies. Go to lunch with someone who is different from you and just start to lay the groundwork for that conversation. You don't have to know everything. Um, I think sometimes we feel a little hesitant to reach out or to spark conversation because of fear of judgment. But just as you were saying, Cole, as, as if you know the intentions are pure, you can show up and at least be able to spark that initial conversation. It's really important. Um, You know, the economy ebbs and flows with whether it's more of an employer's market or or employee's market, but um, I think it's really important that you find an organization. Ultimately, I know it might take time time sometimes, but you need to work in an organization where you do feel valued. Um, Because if you're valued in your position, regardless of your background or race or anything like that, if you find a place that truly values you, um, you will have more confidence to be able to speak your mind and, and share when it's important. Uh, I know sometimes, you know, when we go through recessions, you're just hanging on to your job, right? But right now, especially, it's, it's an employee's market. Um, and you should find an organization that appreciates you and values you. And that's um, in any aspect of whether it's your skill, your background, your experiences, whatever. Um, and employers like me should make sure that we are a place that people want to work and that we value people. And that's part of employee culture. And so, um, but I was going to say to the initial question, um, it, anytime you see anyone that's successful, that has, um, is a leader of any kind of organization, there was some level of courage and, and, um, and putting their neck out that helped them achieve that. Some people had an easier path and didn't have to do as, as much of that. And some people had to do a ton of that to get where they're at. But regardless, I believe that all leaders and, and admirable people have had to do that. And so there is going to be a little bit of risk on your end to say, like, you know, like, I stand by my principles. And I think that whether whether it costs you your job or if you get discriminated against or whatever, you're going to be admired um, so much more by the people around you if you will stick your neck out and say, like, this is what's right. Now, we have to do it in a fair way. And we can't we can't uh, make false assumptions and we and we need to make sure that we're very fair and, and just in what we're seeking. 
But I think that if we have the confidence and the bravery and the courage to really step out, that I think it gains you a lot of respect that is really worth the risk. So. Yeah, I would just add, um, and I think that's a common, this is a common theme in what you all said is build community and building those allyships. Um, I think a lot of times we, I think that courage can come from that community. And I think building those, almost building like those coalitions and realizing shared experiences is so important, right? So I can't speak to what a black woman goes through in the workplace, in any workplace, because I'm not a black woman. But if I build that community with a black woman and we build that space to support each other, to really talk about what we're going through, I think that'll build the courage so that if I were to speak up, chances are, you know, she may feel the courage to speak up or vice versa. And I think a real courageous conversation could come from that. So it doesn't feel so it'll still maybe feel risky to to have the conversation, especially if your workplace is not something that welcomes that. But I think having that community would really help those courageous conversations just kind of start and, and develop. Thank you all for those incredible pointers. I received that as your voice is your power. And I encourage you all to just place value in that. Cole, I wanted to direct this question to you and I open this up for the panel as well. What are some stigmas surrounding um, diversity, equity, and inclu- inclusion that you've seen thus far in your career? So there's, that's a, that's a, um, it's a big question for me <laughs> because um, I believe that one of my greatest gifts and skills that I think we all share is critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something that we really, in some of the the language that goes on, like especially in media and just like talking points on both sides of like the political spectrum, it really tries to take advantage of us not critical thinking. And I think that, um, so beyond critical thinking, I think that words have power, they have meaning, and that when you say a word to me, I, I assess its meaning and I, and I take what, I hold that true. Uh, and then I also believe that associations are very powerful. And so when a discussion gets hyper-political, the people that are not on the side of that policy or or that politics are going to push themselves away from that. And so I think it's very careful if we want to have honest discussion that we have to decide if we want to win or we we have to decide if we want to pull people together. Because if we want to, every time I've competed in sports, I'm I'm the most competitive person and it drives me insane to have like a game night. I'll just like yell at my wife, you know. Um, but, But when I want to win, I want to win, I want to destroy you and I want to walk off the field and say you lost and I won, right? That's what winning is, right? But if I, want to bring, if I want to bring people together, that's not the attitude I have. It's completely different. It's a different experience. And so um, conversations like this, when they get picked up and they be, get turned political, um, it doesn't help the situation. And here's why. Because I'm, I'm a um, conservative. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I call myself a libertarian conservative. I, I don't fully align with the Republican Party, but I vote Republican most of the time. And, um, and the reason that is because my values are most aligned with some of those things. Well, that doesn't mean that I don't value racial equity and, or racial inclusion and equality, I should say. So when the whole thing with Black Lives Matter last summer happened, I, how could I not be a, a, a Christian and a good person and not believe that Black Lives Matter? And, but, however, the Black Lives Matter organization, because of some of the things that they stand for, I did not agree with. And so I, when my friends would talk about that, I would say black lives do matter. Black lives do matter. And I would always say that because I believe black lives do matter. And however, I would not say Black Lives Matter because I believe it associates myself with that organization. And so in the same sense, diversity, equity, inclusion has become a very political um, thing. And so uh, the words, just like with Black Lives Matter, those words, who doesn't agree with that? There might be some people that don't, but all decent people believe that. 
And so with diversity, equity, and inclusion, I believe wholeheartedly that diversity is good. I believe inclusion is essential. I don't agree with equity in the sense of the racial um, discussion. I believe in equality. Um, so when you start talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and associate that all together and say, hey, we're going to do a program around that, uh, that will cause a lot of white people and a lot of conservative people, which is 50% of the country, to say, hey, I don't want to be in that conversation. But I told the group, I said, I want to be in this conversation because I want you to know that, like, I care, you know. Um, but you have, we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about things. Um, and so the stigmas are that for, for a lot of um, white people um, and a lot of conservative people. Diversity is hugely important, but I don't think we should go after diversity for the sake of diversity. Uh, any good business leader should have a diverse team around them. But it might be diverse ways of thinking, diverse personalities, diverse um, experiences. And maybe some of those experiences are tied to their race or their, their upbringing. But a lot of times they aren't. My, my leadership team, I have a few minorities on my leadership team, but I did not hire them because they're a minority. I hired them because they're the best person for the job, and I will always do that. And I want to apologize for that. Um, but I think it's good, that we live in a, in a, it's good that we live in an area that Gwinnett County is very diverse. Mm -hmm. And we should take advantage of that. Uh, there are some areas of the, of the state that are not diverse because it's either all one race or all not the other. And those people can't necessarily help that. Um, so inclusion is, is a passion of mine because I think that we should include everybody. And when there are people at the table, like they should be able to speak and we should be able to listen to them. I don't care what table it's at. And so those, th those two things are very important to me. And the, and the racial harmony and the racial inclusion, Janelle should never feel threatened by me. Um, and if she does, I should work on it and figure out why, you know, um, with her being a black woman and her having a black son, like that's important to me that she doesn't, that when she birthed her son and said, oh, wow, I have a son, like if there was any, any part of her mind that was like, crap, like what do I have to, uh, this conversation I'm going to have to have one day, like I should be able to be a part of working on that. Um, and so I don't know the experience of you. I don't know the experience of Cam or Nuri. Um, but I want to learn about it. And I think that we should all be willing to do that. As far as stigmas for diversity, equity, inclusion, the thing that came to mind, it's nothing's going to change. Um, I know a lot of times in different organizations, they come out with different initiatives and everybody just kind of decides like, all right, another initiative, this means nothing, right? But what I'm learning is, and kind of to address some of the stuff Cole said, a lot of the people in leadership positions, they have good intentions, but nobody has just really articulated what needs to change, articulated how they feel. Um, people are always stepping on eggshells. So unless you address the root of the issue, it's not going to be solved. And something that I kind of tell people is sometimes you have to change your delivery, but not the content. Mm -hmm. So how we're approaching these conversations, how we're approaching these things, um, knowing that, yo, I still want diversity, equity, inclusion, and equity being important to me and knowing that Cole doesn't put the same weight on that because of his background, but being able to articulate to him why it's important, being able to bring a different perspective. So as that evolves, maybe there will be changes. There will be changes as you're able to transform your mind, as you're able to shift your perspective. And just knowing, all right, we've been fighting this fight for I don't know how long, right? Like it's tiring, but there has been progress, and in order to kind of push the envelope, you have to do what you haven't done, right? So you have to approach it a different way. So when different initiatives come up, I have to check myself on, all right, I'm not going to go to this meeting. I'm not going to join this club. 
I'm not going to come to this event because I can talk all day. But when I walk out here, I'm still a black man. Um, but knowing that repetition, knowing that delivering the message a different way, it, it can hit a trigger at some point. One of the stigma, two of the stigmas I immediately thought about and, and you all kind of triggered this thinking was people getting defensive in thinking that this are, these are individual problems, right? So a lot of times when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're not talking about an individual. We're not talking about this one person. A lot of times it's systemic and a lot of these issues are just rooted in systemic issues, systemic oppression or systemic disparities. And so I think one of those stigmas, it, it comes with that defensiveness, people getting so defensive and thinking that if I'm bringing up these topics, if I'm bringing up these conversations, it's in, it's a personal attack, right? And, and it's not. And I think as soon as that happens and as soon as that stigma, all that weight is put on that stigma, then it's hard to get anywhere. It's hard to be productive and it's hard to have that conversation. Um, and the other stigma I think about in workplaces that I've been in in the past is, people thinking that diversity is not their job or equity or inclusion, right? Oh, that's the Title IX office. That's the diversity office. That's the chief diversity person, right? But I really do believe that it's it's all of our jobs to have these conversations because we all have different positionalities in this work, right? So when I started my diversity, equity, and inclusion work, I was like, there's no way I have privilege. I'm from the South, I'm first generation, I'm queer. Like I have all of these identities, right, that put me in these minoritized groups. Um, and then when I started doing the work, I have so many identities that bring me so much privilege, right? Being a doctoral student now, speaking English, being a US citizen, I have all of these responsibilities that come with those things to make space and to create space and to have these conversations, right? So. I think so yeah getting back to the stigma piece that it's not it's not everyone's job and it's just one person's title um, but I think it's all of our responsibility to really have these conversations and create spaces that are equitable and inclusive really good stuff guys and um, Nuri I'd like to direct this towards you first it's a two-part question and you know have you ever experienced a situation where you witnessed a colleague or, or maybe even yourself who was, you know, being culturally insensitive? And if you could talk about that situation and then, you know, what are some ways that, you know, young professionals here could walk away and approach that situation to to make it better, make it more inclusive? So an example that immediately came to mind was in one of my previous roles, I had a trans student, and in class, the trans student was always, um, by the professor, always being addressed by their dead name. And so, if you all are not familiar with what that is, a dead name is, after a person transitions, it's the name that they may have been given at birth. And so, the student was always being addressed by their dead name um, to the point where they came to me crying because they weren't they didn't feel safe in class. And so in being an educator, right, I had to advocate for this student. And I had to have conversations with this faculty member. I then had to escalate some of these conversations to the dean because it was there was a lot of resistance when all that really, not all that needed to change, but the most important thing that needed to change was how the student was being addressed. It turned into a much larger issue because at graduation, um, students are called by the names on their birth certificate or in the system. And so this student was not going to attend graduation because they were going to be called by their dead name, right? And so it didn't align up with who they were and what their identity was. And so 
it, it, it turned into a large conversation. It was a small private school. Um, it escalated up to the provost and just kept escalating up um, in, in hopes of advocating for this student. So the way this ended was um, the student was transferred to another professor's class. And then we had a much larger conversation about looking for ways to incorporate a new system or incorporate a way to include people's names that they identified as and to use those names at graduation and at commencement. So un unfortunately, their paper and their diploma would still say the name that was in the system because we couldn't change that. But the name that would be announced at graduation would be the name that they identified with, right? So that was some change. And after continuing these conversations, I then became the staff member that facilitated safe zone trainings for all faculty and staff. So unfortunately, it did become one of those things that I started the conversation, I started the advocacy, so I got the extra workload. <laughs> but I didn't mind it, right, because it was, it was advocating for my students. Um, and in that case, I don't know how many other students I was advocating for indirectly that may not have known me, may not have talked to me, or may not have disclosed these situations. And so I guess my message to young professionals would be just that. I think it gets to Cam's earlier point of having these conversations, of not being afraid, of advocating. And for me, even though sometimes I might get nervous, I might get scared, I might not want to have these conversations, I just think about those younger folks. And I think about those younger students who may not have stepped into their voice yet and may not have stepped into their power um, and can't necessarily advocate for themselves and if I'm not doing it I can't sit around and wait for cross my fingers for someone else to advocate for them especially when it comes to something about safety um, and inclusion in a way that affects them that affects their safety and just their mental health and everything else. Thank you for that and thank you for sharing. Um, I wanted to open this question to everyone here. You guys have shared some really great advice thus far about DE&I and just initiatives and I wanted to ask um, what is um, is there a, a, some other advice that you guys can share one particular thing that you guys can think of that you haven't shared thus far with um, fellow young professionals I think the one thing that stood out to me um, in this conversation is that whether we realize it or not we all have unconscious biases um, we all have them and I think when we're exploring the conversation of um, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's important to authentically address those within yourselves. Maybe you don't feel comfortable having a group conversation about it as we are tonight. Maybe it's something that needs to happen um, internally. And then when you feel comfortable, then you can invite maybe one to two people to the conversation where you can explore that further. But I think it's important to start there because that's where the awareness starts, right? Um, and being able to address the fact that you know maybe I do have something here where you know I, I do feel this way and why is that what are the um, privileges that I've had that maybe I have been unaware of and that goes for all of us so I think just starting there by examining what could be holding us back from being open to having those co courageous conversations would be a great place to start.